Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. And so I don't know if you know this, but if you've joined Midtown, you signed a commitment, you signed your life away, and this is what our commitment looks like, where you sign your life away, and cue. We believe that as you step into kingdom, Jesus is a really good example of maybe what it looks like uh, to join, because he says, like, unless you come to him like a child, you can never enter. So we drew a kid's drawing uh, to represent our commitment one to another in kingdom advance. And uh, it's the first one is the mind of Christ. And the second one is a heart of love. And the third is feet that move in faith. And this is our commitment to grow with one another. As you join Midtown, this is what it looks like to grow. We're going to grow in this manner as the body of Christ together in one direction to see kingdom advance. And so tonight, uh, I really wanted to start off just by talking about the mind, the mind of Christ. And as I, talked to, as I went through the 21 days, and I've been going through the 21 days, and God really been highlighting some stuff, sending me all around, and I found myself in Deuteronomy, and then I was looking through the book of Luke. And as I was looking through Deuteronomy, I see what Jesus is saying. I mean, uh, God says to uh, Moses and the nation of Israel uh, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I instantly thought about how Jesus is in the desert. And so I turn over to Luke and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is so awesome. 40 days in the wilderness, uh, Israel is given this word to remember. And then Jesus is 40 days in the desert and he's speaking this word of remembrance to Satan who comes and tempts him to say, hey, turn these rocks into bread. And I don't know if you're participating in 21 days, that first week is sometimes really, really challenging. And so what's been so challenging to me and special reminder is that, man, like, I live in the same way that my body feels like it gets life from this food. The Word of God says, I live, my person, my being, my spiritual person, my life, I live by the words that proceed from the mouth of God. That's where my real life actually comes from. Don't get stuck thinking physical. Your real life living comes from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's meant to fuel you. He is our sustenance and the bread. And then in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Back in the day, the prophets spoke the word and they got a shadow of what it really meant. Hebrews says, but now we have the very son of the living God the words that proceed from his mouth will be life to our bones, true life. He came to bring light and life to all who would receive. 
My prayer today is that we receive the words of our King Jesus because this is the day where he reigns and the words spoken from his mouth in connection with the Father, powered by the Holy Spirit, have brought light and life. And I pray today that the words that he shares with us bring light and life in the, in the places of our minds. And I believe tonight that's what's going to happen. But as I share tonight, I want to go ahead and prep. Like, there's a lot of scripture in this. So if you're taking notes, you can write those passages down and go back and reflect. But I just want to give you some of the bread just to focus on in these times when I believe that there is a pull and a desire to get you to think a very certain way. Everything is vying for your thoughts and your attention. And they promise you life and life more abundantly. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God will give you life and life abundantly. He doesn't want to hold back from you. He wants to give you the life that you could never imagine on your own. Will you trust him for it? That's my prayer today. So as we step in, and as we begin to talk about the mind of Christ, I don't know if you know this, but in the New Testament, it talks about the mind like over 50 different times. and talks about different kinds of minds. So I just want to highlight a couple of those different minds for us. Is that okay? Let's, let's go get it. You want to? So prepare yourself. I warned you, okay? There's, there's a lot of scriptures. So hang with me. Can you prepare yourself? Hang with me, please. If you can hang with me, can you just give me like a nod? Like I've got... Okay, we're prepared. We know, okay? Let's go. I'm not going to apologize for the word. It is life to our bones. I just want to make sure some of y'all who don't know that or believe it yet, you're going to get full today, and it's going to be a good meal, okay? So the first one that, the, that, I, that I highlighted and I really want to bring before us is, is what the Scriptures call a, a natural mind or a carnal mind. You can find this where Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8. He says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Many of us are experiencing life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Want it. I don't want God's words. I like mine. That's what it's saying. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. It can't even do it. It was made in opposition against God. This is our natural mind. And the scripture really says every one of us is born into this. Every single one of us. Until you came into the light of understanding of God himself through the person of Jesus, our minds were darkened in understanding and we opposed the truth. I'm not the problem. Everybody else is around me. And in fact, if there is a God, I think he might be the issue here. You know what I mean? Because if I was in charge, there wouldn't be no issues. Anybody? <laughs> the carnal mind says, I got this. And the spirit mind says, God, you have this. Different. The carnal mind says, I got it. The spirit mind says, you got it. I want to play a video for you guys that I think was a fascinating case study. And uh, I hope it brings to life some of what I'm talking about. Let's go.
Couples who live together before marrying have nearly an 80% higher divorce rate than those who do not. Which is crazy because you'd think you'd be the opposite because like, for example, I lived with my boyfriend of five years and we broke up because we knew we weren't compatible because we lived together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you, cause, because living together is the way you find out. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. And I was like, no way this stat's true. Because all of my friends, <clears throat> every single one of them, couples that I like look up to till this day, like people that I'm like, oh, you're one of my like hierarchy couples that I, I would like to be like you in 20 years, mm-hmm. lived together before they were married. Did you and Graham? No. Which I didn't know that until yesterday. Do you know why no one knew it? Why? Because I used to be like, I thought that was shameful. No, I would Because I was the minority of it. Like, I never told anybody that Graham and I never lived together because all of my friends did. That I would feel, you know when you're sober and, like, you don't drink? People assume you're judgmental about those that do drink. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, you're like, I don't drink. And they're like, oh, you hate people that do drink? Mm-hmm. I felt like when I was saying, oh, Graham and I didn't live together before marriage, people were like, oh, you guys are really, like, prude or religious or something. Wait, I have a theory on maybe why that statistic is right. Why? Because... When you're not living with someone, you're continuously keeping your own life, your own hobbies, your own things that fulfill you. But when you live with someone, because I did this, your life becomes their life. And then you forget to take care of yourself and your own needs. And that's that's pulling this right out of my own personal <laughs> That's just a me thing. I, I don't know anyone that – I literally don't know anyone that doesn't live. Same. She's I the first. I can't think of that. So I'm like kind of shocked by that because I feel like that's just like how people do it now. I can't think of I, I don't one. Know one person that it's like a prerequisite. Yeah. Like you have to, be, I would be like shocked if someone actually got engaged before they lived together at this point. My that's why friend, I stopped telling people. My best friend, she has probably the happiest marriage besides you and Graham and she has two kids and they did not live together before marriage. And people, people ask me all the time. They're like, if I tell them, they're like, wait, why? And I'm like, well, because we had, I was like, not for nothing. No, on accident, complete, utter accident. Did we not live together? It was because we had moved to a new city together. And then he had just come off cheating on me. And he's like, I really want you to move to a new city with me. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do that. But I am not living with you. Like, it was kind of like that attitude. Mm -hmm. And it was just by sheer accident that we lived apart. We totally, I'm like, of course, the natural step would have been to move in together. You save on rent. I get to know how you do the dishes. We get to do all of these things beforehand before we get married. But we literally came back from the honeymoon and moved in. That's crazy. I had no idea. Makes sense. There's a way that makes sense. I mean, you save on rent. You get to know how you do the dishes. This is obvious. And if you have all those pieces in play, then marriage is going to be great. Marriage, anybody married? Come on. That's all it takes. And if I just knew everything I knew about Shannon a little bit before, marriage is going to be awesome and easy. We, we snicker because I'm like, man, I'm 12 years in this game. And like, I'm still figuring stuff out. But I, I love, I don't even know their, their names, some of y'all might. But the one girl who's like, I have a theory. And out of her own personal experience, she pulls a truth from her own life and then applies it across the board to everybody else because that's all you got. If the truth you're drawing from is your own mind, all the truth you have is yours. And it changes with every circumstance. That's why how can you be steady? Oh man, I mean, it's like quicksand. I'm sinking in misunderstandings and I don't even know how to do this thing. And what happens when my marriage isn't what I thought it was? I mean, hey, listen, guys, I'm not sure 
If you aren't a, a Jesus person, I'm like not sure why you do it. I really don't, I don't know. Maybe tax breaks. But the idea of love in marriage, love is nothing about what you're going to bring into my life. Love is my choice to lay down my life for you. In a marriage commitment, you're not completing me. Christ completed me. I'm okay. And from my peace, oh, I bring to you my life in the way Christ brought it to me. A shared commitment like that is no matter what, I'm in it with you. Because my promise is love from on high first. I need nothing from you. I bring a whole person in Christ to you to be given completely. And if you didn't know that, I just pray that the truth of the word and the reality of love penetrate our heart because this is what Jesus did for you and me. I don't need anything from you. I'm giving my life wholly to you. And when somebody gives their life wholly to you, there is this visceral response within you to go, I can't help but give my life to you. You're too special and too wonderful. And so I don't know, maybe you were in a relationship that didn't do that, and I just want to say I'm sorry. And I bet probably every single one of us, <laughs> every single one of us to some extent, but I pray God gives us the grace to continue just to experience a deep love from him and then we give it away to each other, expecting nothing in return because I don't need anything from you. He's given everything to me and I have life and light abundantly enough for you. I wanna give it to you too. The natural mind sometimes sounds right to some of us even. I mean, how could I pay the bills? What does Jesus say? God's gonna supply every one of your needs. He supplies for the birds and the fields. Why wouldn't he give everything to you? You don't got to worry about a thing. Step into kingdom advance and everything else is given to you. Do you want to experience him? Step into his words to you. You don't have to invent the word. He gives you life through his words, his food. But we've got to choose to digest that food and process it deep in our stomach so that it becomes our life. You can and you're invited into it. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. I don't understand this love you're talking about. And I pray if you're in this room and you don't understand it today, that the Holy Spirit unveils your eyes just to see the reality of the love of God and his son Jesus given for you, given for you as a gift because he loves you and he wanted to set you free. And if you receive it, you needed to be set free because your mind was absolutely opposed to him and you were at en enemies of God. You were against what God desired in your life. Most of us lean on, lean on our own understanding instead of acknowledging him in every one of our ways, knowing he would direct our path. I invite you, if this is maybe the seat you sit or your friends sit, man, it's not a shameful place to invite them. It's to help them understand the way that could be for you. God wants to give you far more than you want to give yourself. Don't settle for second best. He wants to give you life. And some of us have an idea of what life is today. Let him reframe what life is in our mind. 
And if you've been wounded in the past by an experience you've had, God isn't afraid of your past. He covered it on the cross and he wants to make all things new. So if you say, I've already screwed it up. I've already messed it up. No, you didn't. Bring your life to him and he wants to make you brand new in the spirit of your mind, the depths of your heart and move you in a different direction. Come on. You don't got to be afraid of a thing and he's not afraid of you. I think of, 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 of character that, that, that idealizes this mind. I think of the person of Nicodemus who comes and he asks questions to Jesus in the dark of night because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's questioning things. But he asks him some very specific questions and he's a teacher of the law. He knows all about the Bible. He just hasn't really surrendered to the reality of Jesus yet or his need for a savior. And Jesus looks at him in their conversation. He goes, you're thinking Physical, like you think worldly, I'm talking spiritual. You gotta be born again to step into this spiritual way. So if you are, maybe I'm describing, you're like, man, I don't understand any of this. I feel kind of weird, honestly, about this, but I'm checking it out, I'm stepping in. I would encourage you to do what Nicodemus did. Ask questions. It's okay to ask a question. Nicodemus went to Jesus with questions. And Jesus didn't cast him out for it. He told this guy, you're, physic- you're thinking worldly, but he didn't be like, hey, you're a worldly person. Like, ugh, get out, this we're shameful religion. Like, that's not what he did. He, Keep asking. I have a conversation with you and I'm gonna point you to the truth. So if you got questions, like this is the safest spot to ask questions. And maybe you've sat here for years and you haven't felt safe to ask questions or maybe you're doubting or you go, man, I don't understand this. I've sat here for years. I'd love to talk to you about it. We got pastors love to talk. I know Adam, TC, Jen, Ryan, many of our other life group leaders, like a bunch of y'all, be happy to ask questions. I got questions, okay? So you know. The second one I want to highlight tonight is the double-minded or the doubting mind. James 1, 5 through 8 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Anybody think God is generous? God's generous. If you don't have wisdom, you can ask a generous God who wants to give you wisdom. And he will give it to you. In fact, he's generous. He wants to give it to you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the, and the world, and they're unstable in everything that they do. Picture somebody like standing on the shore of the sea. And I don't know if you've ever gone to the beach, but you got a boogie board when you were a kid and you like put part on the, on the water and you got one foot on land or something or in your pool, you know what I mean? Like you ever have that moment where it got, just goes out from under you. That's what it's like to live a divided double mind. There's part of you that's experiencing a little bit of like stability. And there's part of you that's like trying to find the stability so you're never really stable. And if you get pushed in any direction, you're falling over. Some of us might feel divided today. You got an invitation to come. And I believe the reason we get divided is that we stop believing that God is actually good or generous. 
I believe that maybe, maybe he's mean and maybe he's stingy. And really, I believe that comes down to a spirit of fear, fear of missing out. And maybe you fear of missing something. Maybe you haven't trusted the perfect love of God because the scripture says what casts out fear is perfect love. And maybe you need a fresh encounter of perfect love from the king. And you just need to hear me say to you today from his heart to yours, I love you. I just, I love you. I love you. I love you. Even when your phone goes off, I love you. Shame, shame, shame. No, no, no. I love you. Perfect love casts out fear, man. I think about the character in the Bible, Thomas, who followed Jesus, saw miracles. He, was, he followed the guy, you know? And at the end, when Jesus gets crucified, I think he's so disappointed because Jesus doesn't do what he thought he would do. And he's ticked off and he's mad. And he's like, man, honestly, I don't care what everybody's saying about Jesus risen from the dead. Like, I'm never believing nothing anymore because I got disappointed by this guy. I had an expectation for God and he didn't show up the way I thought he would. So I'm not believing nothing until he shows up on my terms. Anybody? Come on. Thomas, one of the 12 chosen by God. And what does Jesus do? Shows up in the room and goes, Thomas, did you need to touch my hands? I'm not offended by you. I'm not, I got nothing to prove to you. Come touch him. Did you, did you need that? Tell God what you need because he's so generous. He wants to show up like this. Tell him the real truth. He already knows. Some of us don't want to tell them the truth because we've got one foot here and one foot there and we're afraid he's not going to answer. We don't really think he is because I don't know about him. He said, if you'll just go full on, tell him the truth. I think he shows up like he shows up to Thomas. Is this what you needed to help you? Keep going down the road. Touch my hands. But Jesus is the encounter if you think you need something other than Jesus to encounter, to be set free, to be transformed, you just need Jesus. He's the only one who's gonna be life and life abundant for you in your life. I think about the demon-possessed uh, son who was brought by the dad to Jesus on the street. Jesus, would you heal my son? He's got demons in him. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Anything is possible to those who believe these are Jesus' words, not mine. That's challenging. I just want to tell you, like, hey, Dad, anything's possible if you'll believe. What's the guy say? I believe, but, like, help me in the place I don't believe. I don't know. Right? What does Jesus do? I'm done I'm with you. Like, I can't be around, like, no, he's like, all right, do it. Bring him your doubts today. You feel like your mind is doubled you're doubting, you don't know if he's generous, come to him the best way you know how. And I bring to you my doubting mind. Help my unbelief. Show up in ways I don't even know you need. I need to show. I, I. He's generous God. He wants to show up and he will. Trust him to show up and he's going to show up. Third one that I want to highlight is the, the defiled mind. It comes out of Titus 1, 15 through 16. And it says, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. 
They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. All right. This mind is somebody who has made an enemy out of everything and everyone. Everything is wrong and evil. Everything is broken and a mess. And you shouldn't do that. And you shouldn't do that. And they, a lot of them live deep in shame. Think of cancel culture. I think this is the epitome of a cancel culture, a defiled mind who stepped back into me-based living, me-focused, me-centered, my efforts driven. Look at me because I do it pretty good. And we've stepped into belief in self and not belief in the one who's redeemed us and saved us. Our mind has been defiled. I think about the person being Judas. It's maybe a good representation of this. A man who carries the money for Jesus. And what happens when the woman comes in and she breaks the, the jar over Jesus' feet? And what does he say? What kind, of, what kind of waste is this? This money could have been given away to the poor. In all reality, just Judas was like skimming money off the top, you know? He had a defiled mind. And every good work that looked good to public was really focused on self. It was all about him. It had nothing to do about the one whom he followed being Jesus. But the third one I want to talk, I mean, the fourth one I want to talk about tonight, let's come out from the valley, is the transformed mind. It's the one that we're all invited to be in process of. Because if some of us, if we heard those that I'm talking about and you're like, oh gosh, like I see myself in that one and that one and that one. Oh gosh, I'm heavied. Here's what I want to invite you into. And I want to lead it into just, I believe maybe a time where he wants to encounter you and transform our minds. He wants to take you from maybe a double mind and he wants to replace that mind with a brand new way of thinking, a transformative mind. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform, don't adhere, don't get in the box, do not conform. I like that word, maybe sometimes too much. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is a command from Paul. Be, be transformed. By changing the way that you think, the word is literally like metamorphosis, like a butterfly transforming through the process of recalibration. And in this process, there's a word that's like, Test all these things. Test the thoughts that come through. Stop them and look at them. Analyze them. Put them through the heat press to figure out what's inside. Heat it up. 
I want to give you just three things that as you heat up the thoughts in your mind, just a real practical, very simple way for us to, I believe, continue the process of transformation. One process I want to focus. There's a first, there's a focus. Jesus said it because he loves me. Everything Jesus says to you is literally for you. I came to reveal the truth to you. I love you. And in my character of love, I want to extend to you the truth. I bring it to you. It's a gift. Jesus said it because he loves you. Not to hold you back. He wants to give you the life and light that is so abundant. But he is that. Second part is, ask this question. Did Jesus reveal this in what he said? What's processing in my mind right now, did Jesus say something similar? Or what did he say about this? Process that. Capture it. Look at it. Put it through this heat press. The third part is, did Jesus reveal this in what he did? Three very simple questions for us, just a process in our minds as we heat some things up and what comes through. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I believe oftentimes, just like in that podcast, the invitation was to believe something that sounded so correct. When you step into that belief, you experience something, you're like, this is wonderful, only to find out that death is on the other side. Has anybody ever experienced that in your life? Like, you thought it was going to be awesome, and it ended up not being so awesome, and you can't thank you, man. Like, me too. In fact, like all the time still, you know, I just do. But the fleshly mind focuses on the works of the flesh. The spirit mind focuses on the works of the spirit. Most of my small group discussion experiences have tailored around how's your, how's your watchful life on, on the internet? How's your How's your language and thought life at work towards your boss or whatever it is? Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the typical ones, guys. The guys, I'm in a guys group usually. It's like, do you watch porn? Do you talk bad on the, do you have road rage? Do you hit your, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. I'm not minimizing those. They're very serious. But most things are, are more of a defensive nature. Most things that we talk about are like, hey, are you not doing this? You're not doing this? You're not doing this? Great. You're really doing Great. You're not doing a lot of stuff. Awesome. Really, the invitation of Jesus is far less about, not less. It's, it's not just not doing stuff. It's actually doing something different. And I want to encourage you, if you do something different, you won't have time for some of the other stuff. But if you sit back and you say, I got to stop a lot of stuff, and you go, well, I better, I better sit here and just, I better stop. I got to stop. And all you do is you think about stopping. Anybody ever try to stop something you think about a lot and you really like? And all you do is think about it, but you don't fill your time with something different. What you gonna do? You gonna do it? 
You can't stop thinking about it. And if reality is we're all born into the fleshly mind, we got a fleshly side. My mind is against God. It wants to do other things. The flesh side of Jay, he's crazy. That's what Paul's talking about. You see, when you come into this reality of Christ and he breathes life into your spirit, there's like a separation of you. And what he says is he's identified with the spirit man of himself, but that fleshly side of himself is still there. And some of us in our discussions, we want to identify so deeply with this flesh side. That's all we talk about. So this is the life we end up manifesting and living. But our invitation is that we are united with Christ by faith. And when you begin to see the reality, when you were baptized by faith, when you were stepped in and you called and you confessed the name Jesus, you go, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need saving. He said he would not reject you. He would not leave you. He would come to you. That's what he promised. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, he says, a different kind of character is now imparted to you. You've become a brand new creation. You're a whole new person. And some of us, we don't believe that, or maybe we don't even know that, that your identity is not in this fleshly side of yourself. You are not a porn addict. You are an heir with Christ. You are forgiven and loved. And when we begin to see ourselves in the reality of that faith that he's invited us into, man, do you know who you are? Why would you ever do, why would you ever mess with that? You don't have to. Don't you know you can go to your father who loves you? You can talk to him about anything. Don't you know he doesn't want to withhold any good thing from you? Don't you know? Oh, you don't know. You don't believe. Are you double-minded? Have you gone so far that you've honestly become blinded in all this? I promise you, if you have, you're not alone. And I, I want to tell you, like, I've walked the same road. I've wavered so far. I've forgotten. I've, got, I've gotten backwards in my thinking. I've found myself in place. I'm like, how the heck did I get here? But this reality that Paul is talking about, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this? Thanks be to God. This is what he says in Romans 7, 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. This is why we thank Jesus from the law of sin and death. You are not bound to that. That is not your identity any longer. Your identity has been circumvented and put on a different person. Jesus Christ has imparted his own identity and his own righteousness to you. Receive that by faith. Step in. You've got a brand new purpose. You no longer have to identify as this. In fact, Jesus Christ invites you to identify a brand new way, the truth that will be life and light to your soul. But if you focus, any, any hunters in the room? There is one, two, three, kind of. Everybody's like, ah, there's a, animal lovers in the room. I can't, uh, there's a lot of it. But you know, if you want to hit a target, hunters, You've got to focus on the target, the reality of what you're aiming for. And if you focus on everything else around that target and you never focus on the target, you're never going to hit the target. It's all like our spiritual life. We never focus on the reality of Christ. 
and my identity in Christ, I focus on all the stuff around that and that really vies for my attention, my affection. And then I find myself in this shame-filled place that I go, man, there's no hope for me. And if God really loved me, my life would be changing. Am I speaking to anybody's heart today? Is this anybody else's experience? It's true. Here's the reality we are invited into. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your invitation is to not be double-minded any longer or defiled any longer, but to step in because you've got a brand new purpose to carry out the life ministry of Jesus. His spirit has been imparted to you. Oh, and he came into your life to reveal the father from which we live and breathe and have our being. That can, that can be your experience today. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, focused on the target, because he trusts in you. You go, but Jay, I can't trust perfectly. I, I can't do this perfectly. The reality of this passage is in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled this perfectly. He went through the desert perfectly. And now my faith is in Christ's work and his work alone. And he desires to come and redeem and make all things new in your life, not because you've earned it or done it perfectly, because he did. And he loves you. He loves you. God sent his only son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. Come to him today. Bring him your mind. Is your mind at perfect peace today? Can be. He wants to bring peace into your mind. He loves you. He wants to settle the score that maybe you have in your mind for yourself and others. And in fact, if you'll receive it, it's already been settled. Here's my invitation tonight. We'll do a little work. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I've heard that passage a lot. Anybody in the room really mastered this way of thinking? You've been transformed to this experience and this extent to where you're like, man, bad things happen, tough, time, tough things happen. And I'm not saying every trial, I'm not saying, I'm not, trials, the challenges we face because we are following the will and way of Jesus. Trials. Count it joy. One translation says jump for joy. As you follow Jesus and you experience hardship, are you jumping for joy? I want to tell you my natural, like the side I want to like identify with is like, no. Joy? In trial? Are you crazy? Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, 
Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do nothing for selfish gain. Nothing. Do we agree? Part of my mind wants to. Part of my mind doesn't. I believe that we can have a deeper, profound experience if we're honest with ourselves and we go, I don't agree. I, there's a part, I, I don't. And I struggle, struggle to side with that, but I, I don't really agree. Like, in those times, I don't think so. If I'm really honest, like, I don't know. I don't really jump for joy. <laughs> it's not my natural, that's for sure. But he desires to comment and meet with you in such a way where your mind is transformed that when you hit those moments, you don't hit them like the rest of the world. You're not conformed to their pattern because you have a different expectation. You have a different hope. You have a different encounter. And you're filled with something very, very different. Joy in the middle of trial. Come on. This is about to do something awesome. God's going to show up in a way that I never expected. Let's go. He's a gracious God. Lord, give me wisdom in this moment because I don't know what to do. And I know you're so generous. You're going to show up in a way and I know you're going to come through. Come on. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. That's, that's like a child, right? Dad, I don't get it, but I trust you. Come on. Here's our focus. Our transformational experience has to be each one of us. In verse five, it says, after, after we let... Nothing ambition, no selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant. Let each of you look not only in your own interest, but in the interest of others. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours by your own efforts, by your striving. It's yours in Christ. It's yours in Christ. Christ wants to give it to you. So transform our minds. And in fact, if you'll receive it, like he already has. And the righteousness or like the right doing is what he accomplished by living the life he lived. So when we come to Jesus, he imparts to you this reality that like, it's as if you have lived perfectly. Your mind is absolutely perfect. That's the identity you have with the Father. There's nothing you need to prove. Jesus proved everything. Your sins are covered, forgiven. It's done, it's finished. Be forgiven. And here's how we experience him, though. Here's where we get a sense of who he is. This is ours in Christ Jesus. And if maybe today you've seen yourself as the double-minded, the blinded mind, whatever mind, all those other minds. Philippians says this is, this is the mind that Christ has. Who, though he was in the form of God, means he has all power, all authority to do whatever he wanted, he could have done it. He didn't count equality with God a thing to even be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus did nothing 
out of a self-centered emotion or, or, or feeling or thought. He did everything he did for me and you because he loved you so much. This is the mind of Christ. I love you so much. I did what I did for you. I love you so much. Even though you'd be an enemy against me, I love you so much. Judas, I'm gonna wash your feet. Judas, I'm gonna do with you to the end. Not everybody receives him. Not everybody goes with him. I was here for you and I'll always be here for you as long as it takes. Not everybody will choose this way. This Jesus right here, I wanna end with this. He saw you right here and he died for the double-minded person, the doubting mind, the blinded mind, the defiled mind to bring you into his freedom. The Father loved you and he revealed it through the cross by making it possible for you to be made right and to be transformed into his very likeness. Where is your mind today? Do you believe your mind is? Have you so identified with Christ's mind? This is your mind. Christ's mind is gifted to you. This is your identity. And you've been united with Christ. But you don't have to take that arrogantly. You've got nothing to prove. You've got nothing needed in your life. You can go serve somebody else to help them experience the life you've had. This is a free gift to you through the person of Jesus. Right where you are, would you just bow your head? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's in full view today? Father, I just ask that you would bring the truth into full view of our minds today. the doubter in the room because Lord I can see myself in every single one of those characters at times and I thank you for just showing me your hands in moments where I needed you to if you're just struggling with doubt today I should encourage you would you bring your doubts to Jesus tell him what they are just tell him the truth kind of made an enemy out of everybody in your life and all around you everybody's doing it wrong and deep down you feel like you are too bring them all the wrongs of everybody around you and even yours and then focus them on the reality the focus pinpoint that we talked about just say Jesus I bring you all of these things just tell them just tell them, bring them all of them. Bring them all the offenses. Bring them all your offenses. And ask him to transform the way you think. 
Transform your mind. Transform your heart. And help you move a different direction. Father, I know that it takes time sometimes for our minds to catch up with the reality of our spirit, but I know that you want to transform our minds the way we think so that our minds are at perfect peace. And I I just ask, if you're afraid of something, like, what's the thing you're afraid of? Bring that out into the light, into open. Just tell him what you're afraid of. Maybe even ask him, Jesus, what do you what do you think about this? I really encourage you, the person who's really dealing with hurt, I just know this, that that's not what God wanted to happen to you. And when I was talking about trials, it's not always uh, what God intended for that person to do. I know that God wants to make all things new. And that trial, man, God, God didn't want that person to act like that to you. That's not his heart. And in fact, if you would receive this, if that person would have just listened to the words of Jesus, that person would have served you, not hurt you. You see, there's an invitation for kingdom advance. And this place could look like heaven if if everybody's mind would be transformed into the likeness of Christ. God doesn't want these things to be happening. But the enemy named Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever who's operating outside of love for self-centered gain. But here's the invitation to you, as crazy as it sounds. God has invited each one of us to go into this world as he's come to us and give our lives for the world that he loves so much. Father, I pray in this room that you would transform our minds in such a way that we would experience your love deep down. It's your person. You, Holy Spirit, would you just come and minister to hearts that need ministering? Would you wrap those up in a blanket who are feeling cold and lonely right now? Just remind them they're they're never alone because you're there. You never left them. But Father, I pray everyone within the sound of my voice, God, And I know you desire this for them, and you're right there. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart to know, to experience you. God, I pray that as we sleep, as we lay down, we rest with you. You give each one of us your dreams. Transform our thoughts from focusing on those hurtful experiences and relationships 
to that deep encounter with you as you had us on your mind on the cross and you said it's finished, it's done because you loved us. Thank you, God. So we bring you our double mind. We bring you that blinded mind. We bring you a defiled mind. And we just invite you to transform those into the likeness of your image so that we are moved in such a way that this world is turned upside down. And I know there's no other way than an encounter with you. You can't change your mind, but you could be transformed in the presence of Jesus. Would you tell him that? Invite him. If, if you need a transformational experience, invite him right now. Jesus, come. Come into every room of my mind. Open up every door that needs opened. Clean up every room that needs cleaned. Make my mind brand new. Thank you, God, for reshaping our minds tonight. Thanks for reminding us of your love. Pray that in Jesus' name. Experiences like, like that in prayer, I want to encourage you. It don't end there. They continue down in a journey, okay? We need to walk together. We want to get in the Word together. And we're going to continue praying together. And we're going to move in faith together. Let's keep going. And you will keep growing, okay? Don't stop right there. We're in a, we're in a, we're in a spiritual battle. We don't fight against flesh and blood now, principality and power. Let's keep going. He is with us. God wants to do more than we could think or imagine. Would you let him? If you'd let him, would you stand up with me? And let's just tell him, we just, Jesus, you're going to be at the center of it all. If you'll let him do that, let's go.